Verse 19, I have uh, a lot of material to try to get through it. Uh, Proverbs 23, 19. Let me just read the verse. It says, listen, my son, and be wise. And direct your heart in the way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, once again, as we come to the word of God and as we deal with the subject matter before us and Dealing with the mind and heart, we pray for wisdom, pray for guidance, and that you'd use the word of God in our lives to help us, instruct us, and to get us to have proper thinking and a proper heart uh, before you. We just commit our study of the word tonight with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we've been dealing with, in Proverbs right now, the heart, our thoughts, uh, that which is inside. We know that God weighs that. We know that God examines that, and uh, last week uh, we mentioned that we are to prepare our hearts, and we can do that, and I've entitled tonight's message again, Direct Your Heart. And I told you last week, those of you that were here, uh, pretty much where we were going with this subject, because there's a lot on it, tried to narrow it down to some areas. But we can plan, and we can affect uh, that thought process, we can affect um, our heart and, and what is going on inside that only God can see and uh, we know before God. We can do some planning. We can do some preparation. In fact, the verse really boils down to, when you look closely at the words, is it gets back to that concept of taking strides. Uh, and that taking strides is the idea, again, I believe, of preparation that we left off with last week when it talks about directing. Take, take strides. Uh, uh, for your heart in the way. In what way? In the way of wisdom. That would be what he's been teaching, not only in the book, but also in this area. We can take strides to get our heart toward a heart that is a wise heart, that is making wise choices. We have the right equipment. I just want to mention a few things. And a number of the verses in the New Testament I won't turn to. I will turn to just a couple. Um, but we have the right equipment, and we have to start there. We're told to put on the whole armor of God, for example, in Ephesians chapter 6, a very familiar passage to us. Well, if we're told to put on the armor of God, that means we have the armor of God. A Christian, if you are a professing Christian and you know the Lord, then you have the right equipment. For example, you have salvation in Christ. We have that position in Christ. We have the indwelling Holy Spirit. We have the Word of God that has been provided for us. And right there are three major elements. And when you look at the equipment in Ephesians chapter 6, it tells us to put these things on. That's an effort in the morning. And we should have them on so that things challenge our thinking. We have on that helmet. We have the sword. We have our breastplate. We have that armor that's spoken about. And it's very specific. That's why I referred to Ephesians chapter 6. Because we left off, in case you forgot last week, with why do we need to prepare well, I mentioned the first one of the three that I wanted to mention to you, and the first one is because of our own lust. Within us is the lust for the flesh, the lust for the eyes, and the pride of life. Within every human being and within every believer is still that desire that draws us away from God and to the flesh. And if we don't take steps, if we don't take measures, and we just let ourselves bounce through life, so to speak, we will inevitably give in to those lusts. And so we need to put on that armor. We need to be pre preparing. 
we need to be taking strides. The second and third that I'll give you very quickly, and I might have mentioned the second uh, as we left last week, I couldn't remember, <coughs> and I didn't listen to the tape, but that is Satan. Not only is our own heart there to ready to deceive us, but Satan himself, and I, when I say Satan, he is only one angel that can only be one place at one time, but he does have demons that he works with, and he has trickery. In fact, in the passage that I referred to in Ephesians chapter 6, the reason we put on the armor is it not because we have to withstand the wiles, the trickery, the ability of Satan to tempt us. Now let me mention this. I believe that as we look closely, for example, at Job, we can understand that ultimately, unlike God, Satan does not know the outcome. He knows how to tempt us. He knew exactly by his observation of mankind how to attack man. And his observation as he observed man is, look, at basically you go after all that he possesses, that is Job, and then he'll curse you. Now, he was wrong. But he also had observed man enough to say that now, let me take it a step further. If that didn't work, now go skin for skin. You start to affect his life. I, did, I, I read something this afternoon. It was rather interesting. And it, and it really brings out in our lives the reality as Christians. Oftentimes when we're walking through some circumstances uh, in life that are simple, we say we're trusting the Lord and it's easy and those are small things. But when it gets into major categories, and the article that I read this afternoon had to do with someone that went to the doctor and the doctor said uh, that they were loaded with cancer and they had very little time to live. The test results had said that. And this was a believer. And uh, the believer was devastated. And, and the, what the believer brought out is in many other small trials, it was, he was able to basically say, I can trust the Lord in that. I can trust the Lord in that. But as soon as it, the way he put it, he was facing the shadow of death. And now it came home, all of a sudden, his, he used the word sovereignty. His sovereignty of knowing God's in control, all of a sudden, he didn't know how to trust God for a few moments. He didn't know where to look. He didn't know why, because now it was skin for skin, so to speak, where that was threatened. And I would say that in a normal Christian's life, that is true. When something major comes, all of a sudden, we, we, we forget some things. That's why we need to put on the armor. That's why we need to be prepared, and because we face those battles. And Satan, through his observation is what I'm saying, knows that let me take it to the next level and I'll attack that level and he'll probably curse you to his face. Now again, he didn't know the outcome because Job succeeded. He did not fail. Uh, so Satan is one that can attack us. The one verse I'll go to, and I have a number of them here, but to save some time, let me just go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians 11. And a familiar passage, verse 3. I might have just closed with this, and again, I couldn't remember. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds, and that's what we're dealing with, the heart and the mind, will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. And who was involved in that? The serpent, the devil, that, the one that's our enemy, Satan. And he was involved in deceiving. He knew how to appeal. So not only is there that lust within us, but Satan knows how to entice it. He knows how to be crafty. 
He knows how to appeal to it as he did with Eve. And you know that she disobeyed. Why? And notice that it was from following the way that God wanted. It's interesting because it's following Christ there uh, and for referring to believers. So we need to prepare. We need to dig in. We need to uh, order our steps, if you will, in protecting our heart and mind because of our own lust, because of Satan. And the third one, I, meant, I know I mentioned it to you. And again, with this one, I'll go to one verse that you're very familiar with in the New Testament. Go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. All to point out that if we don't prepare with these areas, we're going to get attacked and we will probably lose the battle, especially if we haven't put on the armor and haven't planned to help our mind be saturated with the things of the Lord. So Romans chapter 12, and I'll look at verse 2. I'll read verse 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies, a living sacrifice, a living and holy sacrifice, well, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed, what, to this world. That is, its thinking, its philosophy. Contrast to that, be transformed. How? And I'm going to deal with this, if time allows, at the end of the message tonight, by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove. Those are actions that we must take. We are to not be conformed. We are to be renewing our mind so that we can prove what is the will of God, that which is good and is acceptable and perfect. Because if it's good and it's acceptable, it's pleasing to God. <coughs> Excuse me. Obviously, our heart will be in the right place and will have a heart that is honorable to God and a heart that is pleasing to him. Excuse me. So we want to protect our hearts. Now, as I mentioned last week, what I'd like to do is I tried to summarize it with just a number of points and reduce down the book of Proverbs, which was not easy to do, and it isn't really probably doing the justice yet. As I've tried to do in other areas, let's take a look at what Proverbs says about the wicked heart, and then I want to end on the positive side, and then a wise heart. If we're talking about preparing our hearts, and we're talking about having a heart and a mind where our inner thoughts, our motives that we've talked about now for a couple of weeks, would be right, or we want to avoid that which is a wicked heart, what does it look like? Well, let's look at the wicked heart first, and I, and I mentioned we have 10 points, so 10 quick points, and we'll just look at a verse. At most, I'll look at two on, on, a, on a few of these. But the first one is that a wicked heart is a proud heart, a proud heart. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 12. When there is pride, and we're not talking about being proud in the Lord or being proud of being a Christian. We're talking about boasting and being proud in ourselves or standing on our own. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 12. Before destruction, watch, the heart, what is it like? Of a man is haughty. So a haughty heart leads to destruction. But humility, and I'll look at that on the other side, obviously, goes before honor. So destruction before that happens, it is the heart of a man that is haughty. So when we fall and, and that, that, that heart is not what it should be, it's because we, man's heart is proud. It is haughty. Second point, and I'm going to go right through them. Number two I have for you. A wicked heart is one that obviously does two things. Plans wickedness. That is, you dwell on it and make plans. And, secondly, 
together with that, runs to evil. My heart or your heart is an evil heart and is not in the right place, obviously, when it very easily makes plans for wickedness and then runs to it. Chapter 6 of Proverbs, verse 18. Chapter 6, verse 18. A heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil. And notice it also talked about in verse 17, haughty eyes again, lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. What is that in the context of? The six things that the Lord hates is seven, it's an abomination, verse 16. So a wicked heart, that which is abominable, is a heart that, is, that meditates, that thinks upon ways to get, make it practical, Pastor Dan, ways to get back at people. That's wickedness. Ways and reasons you won't forgive. That's wickedness. I won't forgive because. That's wickedness. That's practical. It's devising how to get back at somebody. Revenge. And many, many other areas that we could get into. And then secondly, it says in that, feet that run rapidly to evil. Someone comes along with some plans and, and, and makes there's that opportunity, and you run right into it. That's a wicked heart. That's a wicked heart, the book of Proverbs says. That is not what should be. The third one that I have for you is one that we often don't look at, I don't think. It's in chapter 6. It's in this context. What is it? Verse 14. Look at it. Who with perversity in his heart, so it's a wicked heart, continually devises evil, we just saw that, who spreads, what? Strife. What does he do? His words, it's dealing with the words, it's dealing with the concept of instruction there, literally. And it's dealing with the concept that the words end up causing strife and division. And we know that that's another one of the things that's abominable to the Lord. What? He that sows discord among the brethren. That is probably, you know, in Christian churches, probably throughout the country, and maybe around the world, they're very easy to pick up on people that commit adultery. They're very quick and easy to pick up on people that maybe um, uh, with money, they're greedy. But very few churches and very few Christians worry about such things as causing strife, divisions. Why? Because we don't think it's that serious. But it is. That's a wicked heart. And, and anyone that's, that's involved in that idea of just spreading strife, they're using their words and intentionally, in all probability, is what it's dealing with here, causes that division, causes that strife, rather than trying to be a peacemaker. Uh, to show you the consistency of that one, I'll give you just one more verse on that. Proverbs chapter 12. Oh, these are all out of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 12. Obviously, the objective is don't be proud. Obviously, the objective is don't run toward evil. That shows that the motives are bad. It shows that the heart, the thinking is bad. Don't be a person that sows discord. Chapter 12, verse 8. A man will be praised according to his insight, but one of perverse mind, is the mind and heart, will be despised. And you look at it, and what? But the house of the righteous will stand in verse 7. 
And what have you got? The man uh, is to be praised according to his insight and one that is able to help, but not one that's perverse in that thinking. Not one that's perverse. Another one, obviously, number four is deceitfulness. If you have a heart that's full of deceit, you know, you're talking with somebody, you're looking them right in the eye, and yet you're not telling the truth. Deceive them. Chapter 17, sorry, chapter 17, verse 20. He who has a crooked mind, crooked mind, finds no good, and he who is perverted in his language falls into evil. There's an interesting one for us. Deceitful, crooked mind, crooked heart. That's what it's talking about. It's the same word, their heart. He who has a deceitful, a crooked thinking, not right, and also one who, again, perverted language. That's how we can recognize. Why? Because out of the heart, the mouth speaks. The mouth speaks. I was with somebody just last week in a, in a situation. They were not believers, but it was interesting. I was in the presence of five other referees at the, in, the, in a three-minute moment. And uh, when I was and we were, were in the, the locker room, one of the persons that I've witnessed to, one of the referees was there, and there was a person in there that just every other word out of his mouth was perverse. And the one I had witnessed to and I stepped out. And it was interesting because he said to me, he said, I just wanted to get us out of there. You don't, and he said to me, you don't need to hear that stuff. I said, neither do you. We don't need to hear that stuff. You know, we don't. But it just came out why? It was in the guy's heart. I'll be honest with you. The thought in my own heart was, I can't imagine his wife living with him, with the way he was. Okay, but again, it, it's something that's deceitful in it, the mouth. Plans violence. Maybe that's kind of an overlap, but go to chapter 24. Again, a wicked heart is one that plans violence. Chapter 24, verse 20. For there will be no future for the evil man. The lamp of the wicked will be put out. Will be put out. And that is also was telling you that there will be no future, certainly for that evil man. One that is envious uh, of the wicked also. Um, that, that's going to be their end. And actually, it's in the warning of not worrying about them because there is no end. But he also plans it. He plans it. Here's an interesting one, I thought, and I'll give you the terms that I put it in. Go to chapter 5 of Proverbs, number 6 here, in chapter 5. I don't want to put it wrong, but let me read it first. Chapter 5, verse 12. And you say, how I've hated instruction. My heart spurned reproof. It despises creation. I'm sorry, not creation, cor correction. Despises cor correction. That's how to know as a child. It's how to know as an adult. Someone comes to you and says to you, you know, that... Uh, Maybe you need to consider doing this or this. It doesn't look right in your life, and you're resistant. You don't want it. You despise it. My heart spurned reproof. Who is that? I've hated instruction. That's a perverse heart. They don't like to be corrected. They don't like to be shown even the right course. 
a heart that is perverted is restricted to the outside. It never goes any deeper and actually is taken in by sin through it. Chapter 6, 5, 6, and 7 deals a lot with adultery. But chapter 6, verse 25, next point. And what have you got? Do not desire her beauty in your heart. What? In the inward thinking. What is it looking on? It's looking just on the beauty. Nor let her capture you with her eyelids. Good warning, young people. And it's not just for the males, even though it's dealing with that aspect, because it's dealing with a woman. Don't just look on the outside, because there's many a young person that falls into sin, because that's all they do, is look at the outside. And it limits it to that. That can lead to a wicked heart that falls into sin, that doesn't pursue the things of the Lord. And obviously it goes hand in hand with my next point, and that is a wicked heart is one who will pursue immorality. That's a pretty broad topic, but chapter 7, verse 25. Chapter 7, verse 25. Do not let your heart, your inward motives, your thinking, turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. And that's an open door for many, many a problem. It's dealing with immorality. It's dealing with, yes, uh, an adulteress here in the context. But a wicked heart is one that follows after, one that pursues immorality. And I believe that that covers a whole lot of area where a lot of Christians fall into, and that's pornography. It is rampant in the world, and it's rampant in Christianity. That's a wicked heart before the Lord. It's one that's following after that. It is one that easily gets caught up into it. It doesn't look at what God would say, and what is what has it done? It uh, do excuse me. It, it its heart turns aside to her ways, and strays into her paths. Why? Taken easily. That's why we need to protect ourselves again, because Satan knows how to tempt that. Very simply put, though some of these kind of overlap, but I put it another way: its thinking is just plain twisted. Chapter 19. It does not think the way God thinks. It's twisted. Chapter 19 of Proverbs, verse 3. The foolishness of man ruins his way. His heart rages, rages against the Lord. It fights against the Lord all the way. That's what it is. It is fighting. It's twisted thinking. God says, do this. want to do your own thing. That's wrong thinking. So when we see it in our own life, is what I'm pointing out, when we see it in other people's lives, we know that thinking's not wrong. And the bottom line, that's not right, the bottom line is a wicked heart is an abomination. Turn with me to chapter 11, verse 20, to the Lord. A heart that's proud, a heart that sows discord, a heart that causes division, a heart that's deceitful, a heart that plans violence, a heart that runs to violence, uh, a heart that despises being corrected, a heart that just looks in the outward, that follows after immorality. That's a wicked heart. Chapter 11, verse 20, says it's an abomination. He says in verse 20, the perverse heart, a wicked heart, or perverseness in the heart, are an abomination to the Lord. But the blameless will walk, will walk 
uh, but the blameless in their walk, excuse me, are his delight. God delights in those that are walking with him. God looks at those who are perverse thinking and some of that, and it could be amplified with enormous amount of verses in Proverbs. When you get a wicked heart, you need to see it as an abominable before God. Now that can happen to any one of us. I want to be frank. Even as a believer, from time to time, we can fall into sowing discord. We can follow in, fall into being deceitful. We can fall into pursuing immorality, such as pornography. We can fall into not wanting correction. You'll never get out of it until you see verse uh, 20. What is that? Until you see it as God sees it. Until I see it as God sees it. What is it? It's an abomination. And when I see it in that light, and you see it in that light, and we can then hate it and turn from it. And until we do, we will never get victory. You can get all the counseling in the world. You can do all the things you want to do. But until you see the heart, whatever it is in any one of those areas that I mentioned, pursuing easily after evil, whatever it is, until you see it the way God sees it, and I see it the way God sees it, we'll never get victory. Never get victory. The idea is obviously to get the victory. How do I do that? Well, what does a wise heart look like? What does a wise heart look like? Now, I started with the proud, but I'm not going to start there on the opposite side of that with the good heart. It honestly, go to chapter 23, number one, it just gives its heart to God. It wants to please God. It's seeking to please him, not self. Chapter 23, verse 26. Give your heart, my son, and let your eyes delight in my ways. What's he talking about? He's given instruction in the context of the ways of God. Listen to it. Give your heart to it. Commit yourself. Commit yourself to wanting to please God. And then what? Well, I won't turn to it, but my second point was chapter 3, verse 5, that I told you you'll see over and over again. Trust in the Lord with all your what? Heart. Don't lean on your own what? Understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He'll make your path straight. So it's giving your heart to God, and then it's trusting him when you don't know, when you don't understand, and to follow his course. In contrast to what we just saw since we're in chapter 23, number three that I would give you is found in verse 19. Listen, my son, and be wise, and direct your heart. There it is again, the idea of planning, the idea of taking steps. Listen, my son, and be wise. What is that saying? Rather than resisting correction, it listens to advice. <clears throat> it listens to advice. We have a tendency to think that that's a young people's problem. Well, it may or may not be. I think it's more an older person's problem. We get set in our ways. And we get so set in our ways that when somebody goes to correct us, including myself, we get a long laundry list of why we're right. And we don't want to receive correction. But a heart that's pleasing, a wise heart, is one that takes advice. It listens. It doesn't despise that correction. And by the way, if you look at verse 22, you'll see that's what it's talking about, listening and despising in the context. It receives the commands of God. Go with me to chapter 10. 
chapter 10, verse 8. A wise heart receives the commands of the Lord. Whoops. Flipped over one page too many. Chapter 10, verse 8. A wise heart will receive commands. It's pretty straightforward. But a babbling fool will be ruined. One that just goes on and on and on and on, doesn't listen to anybody else. One that listens, one that receives. It heeds or keeps the advice. It not only listens to it, but it keeps it. Let's go to chapter 3. Keeps the advice it gets. Oftentimes, we get good advice from mature people. We get good advice from teachers. We get good advice from parents. We get good advice sometimes from peers, and we hear it, and we don't keep it. We don't guard it. Chapter 3, verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart, here it is, keep it. Keep my commands. That is, it's great to hear it and receive it. You want to do that, but then you need to take the next step. And that is keep it. Apply it. Use it. Since it's close by, I'll look at another verse that I had marked down. Chapter 4, verse 4. Then he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast to my words. Keep my commands. What's the objective? Living. And who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord? Who doesn't want to live a life that's one that's a life of living rather than being one of wickedness? We all do. Well, then we heed advice. We we listen to it, and then we keep it. We guard it. We apply it to our lives. Number six. Here's an interesting one. Uh, a heart that's wise is a heart that's content. It's a heart that is satisfied with what God has given. Go to chapter 14. I think this is one of the way, ways that we deceive ourselves, quite frankly. Because I think within most of us is the lust for greed, is the lust for more, is the lust for better, and we excuse it. It says in verse 30 of chapter 14, a tranquil heart is life to the body. That word tranquil there is dealing with the concept of one that is content. It's one that's satisfied. But passion that is, seeking after more is rottenness to the bones. Well, it won't get satisfied. Eats away at you. But a tranquil heart, can you take, like Paul said, I've learned how to abound? He didn't despise that. If the Lord blessed him abundantly, wonderful. But in times of want, he knew how to do that. He knew that the secret was that he trusted in the Lord. He was just satisfied with what God provided, content. It seeks after knowledge. A wise heart not only listens to knowledge, it actually seeks it. It takes action. Chapter 15, verses 13 to 15. A joyful heart makes a cheerful face, and when the heart is sad, the spirit is broken. Okay. The mind of the intelligent seeks knowledge, but the mouth of fools feeds on folly. It likes that sin. We saw that already. Verse 15, all the days of the afflicted are bad, but a cheerful heart, it has a continual feast. What, what's this cheerful heart in verse 13? What's this cheerful heart in verse 15? Right in the middle of it is a mind, excuse me, that seeks after knowledge. What knowledge? The knowledge that comes from the Lord. The knowledge is that is correct. And it ties in with those other things. It seeks it. To seek something, 
the picture that comes to my mind very clearly is what you find in the second proverb. It's to seek after, to dig after, to see it as treasure, the knowledge of God and his word. <clears throat> it thinks before it speaks, chapter 15. It's the next one, verse 28. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer. It doesn't just blurt anything out. It thinks. It's the best way. But the mouth of the wicked, notice the contrast, pours out evil things, just pours it out. And we have a tendency to just jump, but uh, a heart of the righteous ponders. How do I handle this? How do I answer that? The heart of the righteous, two more, is discerning. Chapter 16 of Proverbs, verse 21. The wise in heart will be called understanding. Sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. Notice how much, by the way, tonight, and I'm not giving it adequate um, time, really, but speech is mentioned over and over on both sides of the coin. The way we speak and the words that we say. But it's discerning also. That is the way I put it in verse 21 to summarize it. It's called understanding. It discerns. It thinks. And it uses speech right and persuasiveness. And I'll end on this side of it with what I start, the, the contrast of what I started on the other side. A wise heart is a humble heart. Proverbs 18, verse 12. Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty. Now the contrast, but humility goes before honor. And I think it does tie into this morning's message. What is more humbling than to think that I had nothing to do with salvation? What is more humbling than to think that God is sovereign and he elects people? What is more humbling than to think that the cross is God's expense that purchased my salvation and I owe nothing? What's more humbling than to think that I am a bond slave? I belong to God. I don't belong to me. Our heart resists that. Our heart fights against that. Our thinking fights against that. That's why we need to plan. That's why we need to work. And how do we do that? I would give it to you this one way, and then I'll give you a couple of practical things in closing. What is it? You need to renew your mind. I need to renew my mind daily. I can't rely on yesterday's victories. In fact, I can't rely on this afternoon's victories. I need and you need to be constantly renewing our mind. I won't go back to Romans chapter 12, but you remember verse 2? Don't be, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed how? By the renewing. Change your thinking. Let that thinking be different. Well, where's that thinking going to come from? From God, obviously. Take God's word from the instruction. That was the appeal of the book of Proverbs, right? A father teaching a son. Teaching a son what? The ways of God. Listen to your parents. Especially, will your parents make mistakes? Yes. I've made many mistakes. But as your parents are making mistakes, if they're seeking to train you in the way of godliness, listen. Adults, if people are trying to help you out, other believers, and give you correction, listen to it. And transform your thinking so you think like God thinks, 
not like the world thinks. Let me give you a couple of quick verses on this. Uh, we'll go to just two passages. I have a couple other. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's do that one. We'll go to 2 Corinthians, and then I'll go to Ephesians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And verse 16. For indeed we had, that's in chapter 3, sorry, chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. As Christians, I have to confess that I lose heart sometimes. I just want to give up. I want to call it quits. Why? Because of my own failures? Because of many factors. Don't lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying, and it is, the older we get, we see it, yet our inner man, watch, is being renewed day by day. It is being renewed. Why? We have the Spirit of God in us. And when we get the things of God into us, it's interesting. We have this ministry. Chapter 4 is really dealing with that gospel coming in. And we have that ministry of mercy, the ministry of the gospel. And it says right in verse 1, do not lose heart. We renounce the hidden things of shame in verse 1 of chapter 4, you see? And through that process, it's being renewed. We cast down those imaginations in chapter 4. The other passage I want you to go to quickly is Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3 and 4. And I won't look at it all, but chapter 3... Let's go down to verse 16 of Ephesians. And all of this is so that we can renew our mind daily. And how do we do it? Uh, chapter 3, verse 16, it says that he would grant you, as Paul's praying for him, according to the riches of glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit where in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, that's practical, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge and to be filled with the fullness of God. Wonderful. That's great. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond that which we ask or think according to the power which works in him. Great. That's his prayer for them. Now you go to chapter 4 and jump way ahead with me and look down at verse 23. As he goes in with the new man, as he's talking about in verse 17, as he goes forward. You come down to verse 23, and he says, And that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness and truth. That's what God's created. He's created a new creature. And that we would abound and see how our God abounds. And I need to keep thinking on that every day. Who God is, what he does, what he wants of me. And so what suggested activities? Well, this is not an all-encompassing list, but I'll give it to you very quickly. Just gave this to the men recently. Obviously, read your Bible. If you don't read your Bible, you're not going to fill your mind and have the word of God richly dwelling in you. You can't do it if you don't read it. Now, when I say read it today, I'm not foolish to think that there are not many, many more capable ways of doing that through your ears and 
with all the technology that's available today, but read your Bible. I would suggest you memorize scripture. I think we drift away from that. Memorize scripture. I committed this year, a very simple thing, because I challenged you on it, you might have forgotten it, but at the beginning of the year, I challenged the congregation, just memorize one verse a week. I'm trying to do that, again. One verse every week. Go over it and over it and over it every day. And so far, I've been okay. I read it seven days a week. And hopefully by the end of the seventh day, I've got it. By the eighth, I probably forget it. But I try to work on that. Memorize scripture. Read. Read. Read what? Christian literature. Don't just read your Bible. When's the last time you took up a good Christian book and read it? There's some people that got some good advice. Some people have some bad advice. But read. Read. Think and dwell, number four, on things of excellence. The scriptures talk about that. Pastor Chris challenged the congregation on that a while back. That's what we should be doing. And get in our mind. Young people, get that in your mind. Whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. What does that mean? Do it with excellence. Don't do it halfway. Adults, don't serve in any capacity in any ministry in the church halfway. Be committed to it. Do it with excellence. So the Lord's my witness. I, I fail, you as a congregation, but I try. When I study, I try to do that. And we ought to be doing that. Do it with excellence. Listen to good Christian music. Don't be so afraid. Listen to it. You know why? You listen to it, it's going to get in you. Listen to what you like is good Christian music. Make sure it's Christian, but listen to it. I think with the technology today, another one I give you very quickly, I'm almost done, is listen to good Christian teaching. You say, I'm tired of hearing Pastor Dan. I don't blame you. I've been here 33 years. I would be sick of listening to me. I am, in some sense. Now, a kind of a joking thing, but seriously, there are many good teachers. Listen to them. That's why we have teachers in the Sunday morning Bible studies. That's why there's small groups. On the radio, there are good people. Yes, there are some nutheads. But there's some good people. Spend time listening to them. Develop good Christian fellowships. Ask yourself that right now. What good Christian fellowship am I in? Fellowship Bible Church, okay. But what good, what good Christian fellowship with your own age group? Let me challenge you in something else. There's sometimes a downfall of Christianity. We stick with our age group. Why? Well, one of the honest reasons is common interest. When you're young, you want a young's group. When you're married, you want a marriage group. When you're young married, you want a young marriage group. When you're an old married, you kid yourself and you call yourself middle-aged married. And, but and you want to, that's, that's normal, normal processes, okay? But the point is, get some fellowship groups with others so that you can be mentored, and you can mentor. What good fellowship are you in? Here's a toughie. Be accountable. Oh, I don't want that one, Pastor Dan. You know why you don't want that one? You're afraid of your sin. Be accountable. 
happen to have opportunity this week. You know, Pastor Danny, are you accountable? I am accountable to my wife, my children, and a congregation all the time. And let me tell you something. If I breathe this way, you know it. And I hear it. I'm constantly accountable. I happen to have an opportunity with a young man this week. And that's what it was. We had a conversation. Open conversation. Ask me anything you want. I ask, could ask that person anything I wanted. We pulled no punches. You want to come in? You want to look at my computer? You want to go home, my, my home, look at my computer? Be accountable. What do you get to hide? Nothing. Be accountable to somebody. Why? So when you do fall, you have the courage to turn around and say, I failed. Pray for me. That's a good thing. It'll keep the accounts short. Now, I spent time with the men on this the last couple of years. And I don't know. I haven't gone to each man to see what they're accountable to. But my guess is even in time, the men have probably lost that. Because that's our tendency, not to be accountable to somebody else. Not being accountable is dangerous. Accountability is a good thing. And lastly, this, this will be the last one for tonight. I would suggest another way that you keep your minds, that's a mind of wisdom, and you keep your motives and everything pure, is look to serve others. Don't look for what you can get. Don't look for what am I getting out of this. Be involved in serving others. Serve the body of Christ. That's why you were put into it. And, of course, I'm going to say this. I would not be right before the Lord if I didn't say this. If the Lord's put you in Fellowship Bible Church, serve the body here. If you're not, you should be where you can serve. That's pretty bold. Yes. Why? Because we ought to be serving one another and involved in serving. You do that, and you will have a heart that won't be that wicked heart. You will have a heart that will be thinking right, that will be keeping things right, that will be accountable, that will be looking to serve the Lord and serve others and be pleasing to him. Just some practical thoughts. The heart and the mind is always a challenge. My God, help us to have pure hearts, pure minds, and to pursue it. And God against the battles that come from within, that come from Satan, and that come from the world around us. Because I'm going to tell you something. If I don't guard mine, I will fall. And you can name biblical leaders in the scriptures after biblical leader that fell. Because Peter didn't guard his heart, the Lord had to say, get they behind me, Satan. Because David didn't guard his heart. I could go on and on and on. We need to guard our hearts. Let's pray. Father, help us to guard our hearts. Help us to plan ahead. Help us to be open before you. We know that our heart is anyway. And I pray that you'd help us to look at some practical ways that we can apply some things. And 
to be busy so that we fill our hearts and mind daily, being renewed with the thinking that comes from above, being renewed with the pure word of God, and being renewed in such a way that it transforms the inside of us, and it's obvious on the outside. Guide us now, give us safety as we travel home, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. respond to the message by turning our hymnals to 368. 368, let's stand together and sing the first verse. In your hymn books, 368.